It's good to see all of you out. It's truly an honor to be here with Pastors David and Robin Harris. I've said this over the years that they have followed after God and Pastor Harris is, and, and Pastor Robin has done their best to, and to walk after God and to fulfill God's plan. And they're some of the most spiritual pastors that I know. And I appreciate them very much. They've come through a lot. We appreciate Pastor Joe, Pastor Misty. They're spiritual pastors, good spiritual pastors. And I believe they're here to check me out. <laughs> they are Rama Regional Directors. In fact, they used to be my directors for Rama when I lived in Georgia. And then I don't know who in their right mind would leave the good state of Georgia and move to Broken Era, Oklahoma. You know what I mean? Broken Era, Oklahoma. You know, Dad Hagen used to say it's no wonder that the Native Americans lost the war because they had broken bow, broken arrow, and no water. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I moved out there in that state. I didn't realize how young a state it was until I was out there, and it's just a little over 100 years old. But anyway, I'm in the midst of the, the fray, and God is with us, and God is doing supernatural things today. And it's an honor to be here with uh, uh, Reverend Patsy Caminetti all the way from kangaroo country. Australia, was it Brisbane, I think? Brisbane, yeah. Brisbane, Brisbane. Well, I'm a country boy, so you may have to have interpretation, you know, in my services. I understand. And then it's an honor to be here with her. In fact, she used to try to straighten me out at Rama, you know, years ago as an instructor. And I'll just tell her, like I used to tell Dad Hagen, don't give up on me. I'll make it after a while. I certainly haven't arrived. And then Reverend Jermaine Copeland who we've come to know and love and become friends with. And uh, I just say this, and not in disrespect, but high great respect. Granny used to say, my granny's name was Pearly Ann, Nancy Jane, Emmeline Carter Greer. <laughs> and she stood about as tall as Miss Jermaine Copeland, but she could beat the devil out of you with a cast iron frying pan. And uh, she, if you started running from her, because she'd get on the warpath, she would pull the old butter churn. Anybody remember the butter churn? Uh -huh. Take that stick and throw it at you, you know. <laughs> and if it broke, and if it broke, you was in a heap of trouble and you had to go cut a switch. But it's good to be here with her because she has uh, taught me, Reverend Jermaine Copeland, a lot of things over the years. And I'm still learning. And uh, I know this morning that you've come to look for the man that knows it all. Well, I'm certainly not going to disappoint you. I've got Reverend Pastor Harrison right here, so... <laughs> I'll just turn it over to you. I certainly don't know it all. You know, my, my career path prior to being what I'm doing today was not always on the right path. It was during my third escape from prison, you know, that I met a man named Jesus Christ that forever changed my life. And because of that encounter, I was led to go to Rama Bible Training Center. Back then, they called it Rama Bridal Training Center. And so... I went there, and through a series of events, God just supernaturally worked it out and gave me favor with uh, Dr. Hagen. In fact, I was walking behind him at Rama, and uh, one day as an usher, I volunteered there, and he stopped and turned around and pointed his finger at me. He said, you're going to be at Camp Meeting 87. I said, 1987. I said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord wants you to speak there. He's got a purpose in it. Well, I didn't know. I thought I'd done something wrong. You know, I didn't know what was going on. And, of course, he had heard my testimony there at Rhema Bible Church. You might have remembered that in that October, I think, that uh, the second, our first anniversary. Because Rhema Bible Church started in 1985. We had our first picnic, and then they had me share my testimony there at Rhema Bible Church. And of course, Dad Hagen had heard my testimony. But from that time on, it was kind of like my assignment. 
like many others, a lot of people had the same, everybody's different stations in life, was to sit at his feet and learn, not just from a man, but from an anointing and receive an impartation that was necessary for me to go on in what God had called me and I believe many others to do. In fact, the heavenly vision that came upon Ramah and upon Kenneth e. Hagin is not over. You know, some people think that it, when Dad Hagen moved to heaven in 2003, you know he's not dead, he's just moved to heaven. We, he ceased to exist in this realm, but he's in that realm. And it hadn't, hadn't, that vision has still not yet been completed, and it's not yet been accomplished totally. And so there's many, many thousands and thousands of people that received impartations from the Lord Jesus Christ to continue the heavenly vision that Jesus Christ gave to Kenneth Hagin that came through Ramah, and that's what we're doing. And it's my job just to go on and continue that to heavenly vision just like many other people and do what God said do. So let's turn in the Bible today since we're in a prayer conference. And, and I want to start in Matthew chapter 16. And I appreciate Reverend Caminetti's uh, message last night reminding us about praying for the lost. You know, because you can forget. You know, I, I just kind of got a check and kind of straightened me out a little bit. I thought, well, yeah, when's the last time? I mean, I pray for the lost. But I, I, as I began to examine, I found a lot of my praying was not focused just on the lost. Did you know that? Oh, nobody else excited. I, 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 I got excited, you know. But I realized, you know, and I've been praying for a lot of things. And then, of course, maybe we have different stations and assignments in prayer. But we all should come back to that place that we was taught, you know, last night by the Spirit of God to always keep it on that high level of the church and remember that this, the whole focus is about getting people born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered from demon powers, and walking in the power and the anointing of God. But what is the Lord doing today? And what is the Lord saying today in the church? And I've said this over the years, and, and, and you, know, you just judge it and see if you think it's true or not, but I believe the church should be the most intelligent people group on planet Earth. I believe that we should know what's going to happen before it happens, why it's going to happen, what God thinks about it happening, and then the church's response to what is going on in the world. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing. Now, I'm talking about not one individual is going to know everything, but all the ministry gifts working together, all the Christians pooling their resources and anointings together, then we can understand what God is doing in this earth. Right here in this church, God has allowed us to see things over the years and pray out things over the years uh, to see them come to pass in our nation, in our government, uh, in our presidential office. In fact, August the 22nd at 6.30 p.m., the Lord's told me who was going to be the next president of the United States and why. But I can't share that right now. Maybe I can in this meeting. But he told me about that and he told me why. But if you've been here in these meetings, uh, you know over the years right here in the last, what, four, five, eight, or six, three or four presidential elections, the Lord told us who was going to be the president, what he thought about it, and what would take place. But today, I seem to be in my spirit as I was meditating on what to share and praying about it, and I'm still old-fashioned, I still believe in praying, <laughs> I still believe in seeking God, <laughs> I was being interviewed on TV, you know, one time, and a fellow said, Brother Randy, he said, you're just from the old school, aren't you? I said, yes, if it still means disbelieving the Bible, praying, fasting, and seeking God, I'm from the old school. You know what I mean? So God is moving supernaturally. So what did I say turn to? You don't want me to get lost, do you? Matthew 16. Y'all help me to stay on the right path today. 
Because Pastor Harris said I could speak to three o'clock, I believe. That's, is that what he said? <laughs> you, you can, but we won't be here. Oh, oh you <laughs> Lord, slay them in the spirit. And then they'll, they'll be here. <laughs> it's like at Rhema, you know, they used to have us in these classes, you know, in the second year at Rhema, it used to be, I think it's still this way, you had to present a sermon. You had to have an introduction, main body, and conclusion. And people would get so frightened and afraid and all that stuff. And one of my friends comes and says, oh, I'm so concerned. Oh, I'm so concerned. I'm so nervous. I said, listen. I said, this is the way to do it. Just get up and just fall out and act like you're slain in the spirit. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll give you a passing grade. I don't know. Just so anointed you can't preach. You know, I've seen Dad Hagen anointed where he couldn't talk. So maybe we could get that way. But Matthew chapter 16 this is what the Word of God says. It's just for the sake of time because you know the Bible. I don't have to read the whole thing to you. I'm sure here this church knows and you as ministers of the gospel know. But what is the Lord doing today and what is he endeavoring to do and what's he been working on since 1987 in the church? So there was a divine visitation where Jesus Christ appeared to Kenneth E. Hagin on, on uh, July the 16th, 1987. And out of that came a book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Ever since then, the Lord's been trying to institute that move in the church, but it has been aborted. In fact, the last time it was aborted was in 2006, but now the church is up and we're going to run again and we're going to accomplish God's will. But there's been much opposition, but at the same time he appeared to him, he talked to him about the ministerial gifts and about how he wanted to restore the five-fold ministry gifts back to the church. And then, of course, from that came another book, He Gave Gifts Unto Men, if you remember that. And he talked about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and those called to the ministry of helps. So what the Lord is doing today is he's building his church, and here's our chapter and verse for it in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 19. And he says, and I will give unto thee the keys, verse number 18, he says, I will say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and the rock being the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, who was Jesus Christ? He was the son of the living God. And so um, the rock being the revelation of who Jesus was, he said, I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven in verse number 19. And he said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But prior to telling them that, verse number 18, he said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock, and again being the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, he was the son of God and he was the Christ, he was the Messiah because that's what Peter told him. And he said, I will build my church and what will happen? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we should always have a positive message, right? And we should always be on the positive side. But at the same time, if you don't watch it, you can get so far over there and get out of balance. You know, Dad Hagen, Dr. Hagen, I call him Dad Hagen just simply as a term of endearment. If I step down here, am I going to blow up anything in the sound department? <clears throat> but, but, uh, no, I'll be fine. But uh, he taught us about balance, about being in balance. And we don't want to get out of balance on any Bible subject. Because any Bible subject taken to the extreme becomes doctrinal error. And we don't want to get into error. We want to stay in the middle of the road when it comes to these things in the Lord building the church. 
And so if you all the way, all the time talking about the devil and what he's doing and, and how he's coming against this and coming against that, then you'll just have a negative attitude all the time and you'll think that you're going under and there's no hope for you and there's no help for you. Well, it's not true that the devil's going to take over us and take over the church because he's not. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. And so if he's coming back for a glorious church, then undoubtedly, because I'm part of the church, I'm going to be glorious. And so I should believe that I'm going to be glorious and the church is going to be glorious and I'm going to walk in the power and the anointing of God and there's no devil that's going to stop me. But if you get on this idea that the devil doesn't exist, then he's got you right where he wants you because the devil does exist. Jesus said, I will build my church. Isn't that right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It didn't say that they wouldn't try. Isn't that right? It wouldn't say that they wouldn't come against you, but they will not prevail against you. And so what Jesus is doing today in the church, he is building his church. And in this building process, there's a renovation that's right now going on. And what you see happening in the world is only a type and shadow of what's going on in the realm of the spirit. Because everything in the physical material world is influenced and affected by the spiritual realm. And of course you could get kooky with that, but we'll stay balanced, isn't that right? But uh, at the same time, the enemy is stirring up things to do what? to hinder the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from going forth to the nations of this earth. That's the whole plot. That's the whole plan. I mean, there's no hidden agenda when it comes to God. God knows what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to shut down the gospel going forth. Why? Because he knows that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to every human being on this planet. So the enemy or the gates of hell have tried to come against the church even in recent times. And there's been many that have been under great opposition because of these demonic powers. But I've got news for you and I've got news for me. We're not going under. We're going over. We're the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath and the enemy is under our feet. So if the Lord said, I'm building my church What is he building? There is a pattern. There is a design. God does nothing by chance. Everything that God does, there's a pattern. There's an architectural spiritual design that God has for the church today. And I believe that part of my assignment in this meeting this morning is to pray about that plan and pray about that architectural design. When Moses had the tabernacle built, he'd done it after what? The pattern he saw in heaven. He didn't just come up with his plan. He didn't just come up with his idea and decide, well, I'm going to build the tabernacle to worship God in and I'm going to put this chair here and I'm going to put this pole here. I'm going to put this piece of furniture here. I'm going to put this particular altar here. No, he found out from God what God wanted to do and then he implemented that. There was an architectural design, right? There was an architectural plan. When David had Solomon to build the temple, he turned the building of the temple over to Solomon, his son, because God said, you're not going to build it. But what did he turn over to him? He turned over to him to architectural design. David got the pattern, he got the plan, he got the architectural design from our father God. And then he passed it on to Solomon And when Solomon built the temple according to the architectural design of heaven, 
then the glory filled the temple and they could not stand. What God is endeavoring to do today is build the church, and the church is not a physical building. It's not metal. It's not concrete. It's not bricks and mortar. But it's the church, the body of Christ. He's endeavoring to build the church and bring it to a place that he can fill us with his glory to the point that we cannot stand. You know, it hadn't been real long ago. It might have been in this church where I had one of those, what do you call it, mini visions, you know, M-I-N-I, you know, Brother Hagin used to say, and I saw into the future and I saw a congregation and I saw myself in this meeting. Don't know where it's at. Might it be in kangaroo country? Don't know. (laughs) But I saw and I saw the glory cloud come in and it was about one foot off the floor. Then it came up about two foot, then about three foot and then the whole audience disappeared and then when it got to lifted to where I could see every person in the audience was on their face on the floor weeping and praising God, not in sadness but in joy. There is a move of God that God is bringing back to the church and we are entering into that phase now and that's why there's been great opposition, much opposition because the devil don't want us to move in but guess what, we're going anyway. So the Lord is doing something today in the church. What is the church in the world for? The church is in the world to change the culture of the world. How? To get them born again. Then you change the culture. But what's happening is over time is the culture of the world has begun to form and change the direction of the church. Even our beliefs in the church because of the culture of the world system and the pressure from the world system, we've changed the culture of the church to adapt to the culture of the world. But now there's a change turning around and God is raising up a church that's going to affect and influence the culture of society around us. And many millions will be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, delivered from demon powers and set free by the power of God. So the church is in the world to change the culture of society. We should not have laws in this land that say that there's such thing as same-sex marriage. You know what I mean? There shouldn't be things. There shouldn't be a law in this land that says it's legal to have abortion. You know what I mean? There shouldn't be laws. Why are these things here? Because the culture of the world has influenced the church to the church to the point to become adaptive. You would adapt it because we we don't want to hurt anybody, harm anybody, offend anybody. I don't want to offend anybody either. But I'm not going to violate God's word or the principles of God's word to please the devil or anybody else. We're going to change society. People want to move of God. I just came out of, out of New York. I just came just in a week or so ago. In, in Owego, New York. I, can any good thing come from Owego, New York? The Lord sent us there in the Northeast to do a meeting. We call them Word and Spirit meetings. When I went, I didn't know what I was going to get into. I didn't know what I was going to face. What we do is we go in and we rent to hotel ballrooms because the Lord told us to do that, you know. Some of you have been in our meetings. But uh, we went there and we didn't know if anybody was going to show up. We didn't know if anybody was going to be there. But we just went and we started putting out chairs and the chairs started keeping going out, going out, going out, going out. 
And what we found ourselves in is we found ourselves in the middle of what we call in the country, an old-time Pentecost, an old-fashioned revival. Praise the Lord. Because many of the people were traditional type, uh, you know, good, wonderful people, you know what I mean? But just traditional type people that didn't know very much about the Word of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, didn't know about, you know, faith and trusting God and things like that. And so the Lord just began to break loose in there. And then one night, I don't know if Miss Patsy knows him out, Pastor Jay Jarriman, you know, the Indian guy from up there. It was the last church that Dad Hagen ministered in, him, him, in Canada, London. Well, he came down. He's a friend of mine, and he came down, and uh, the Lord just impressed me, which if you've been in our meetings, I've never, ever, rarely ever do anything like that because the Lord told me to do a certain thing, you know, and we're just following that agenda. But he said, just call on him and let him share here a few minutes, you know. And, and he got up and began to share. And all of a sudden, those uh, Methodists and Presbyterians that became, uh, you know, Pentecostal. I mean, brother, I mean, we got people filled with the Holy Ghost. People were dancing and shouting and a running and a jumping. And guess what? None of them got offended. Somebody said, don't let the Holy Ghost go. I, act, I believe this. We shouldn't act like a nut. You know what I mean? I like what Dad Hagen used to say. He said, if you'll just act like you got good sense, you'll fool most folks. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I do my best to act like I got good sense whether I do or not. But the Holy Ghost began to move. What happened? It began to change. The Holy Ghost began to change the culture of that region. People would come to the door because my wife and I would stand there, shake their hands and thank them for coming to our meetings because we don't know who's coming, you know. And some of them would be weeping and crying. Said, we haven't seen a move like this or even heard of a move like this since this particular, and they would talk about great ministers has gone on times of old. I mean, it's not even in my era that would come through that area. Some of the older ones. Said, we hadn't seen, said, this is so thirsty, so dry said, nobody comes up here anymore. None of the ministries come up here anymore. I said, so he said to me, what did you come up here for? I said, I'm out of my mind. I lost my mind. <laughs> and now I got the mind of Christ. But God began to move. What happened is because that God wanted those people to experience God in a different way and go back and change the culture of their society. And that's what God is doing today. So, if the Lord is, is doing that and the Lord is building his church, then that means the devil is not going to win. Amen. And so we stay on the positive side. But again, you can get on the side and act like he doesn't uh, exist and then you get in trouble because the devil does exist. And if you haven't encountered any opposition from Satan, you may be going the same way he is. <laughs> That's all I can say. Uh, you know, and the enemy has done things, but again, we're not here to glorify the devil. But at the same time, we point it out. But you're in good company. If you're encountered opposition, you're going to overcome. Amen. Remember when Jesus was baptized by the Holy Ghost in the River Jordan, and he began to walk, and he was in the perfect will of God. I said the perfect will of God. I said the perfect will. Don't make me come back there. I said he was in the perfect will of God. Why? Because he was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to confront Satan. Now, a lot of people think that what was happening is God was sicking the devil on Jesus like you'd sick a hound dog on a rabbit. But that's not what was happening. 
What God was doing, he was sicking Jesus on the devil. Go get him. Why? Because this was the son of the living God, anointed with God's power. The first Adam failed, but the second Adam, Jesus Christ, he was going to supersede and overcome every failure that Adam had committed in the garden. So he went out to confront the devil. So he was in the perfect will of God. And he overcame the devil, and so will you, and so will I. So don't quit, and don't give up, and don't give in. If you've been facing opposition, just face life with a grin. Because Jesus Christ, he's your friend. And he will cause you to arise and walk with him day by day. For you see, we're living in a brand new time and it requires brand new ways. And because you walk in these brand new ways, you're going to see brand new days. And you're going to see his glory and his power come upon you in this hour. And you're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk and not faint. And you're going to mount up with wings as eagles in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I think I'm just going to do it. Woo! I think I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles and I'm going to run and not be weary because Jesus Christ has strengthened me. So he's on our side. Then you have the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He was in the perfect will of God, wasn't he? But because of the abundance of revelations, he's in the perfect will of God, there was opposition. It says the messenger of Satan had come against him. That was given him a thorn in the flesh, which was the messenger of Satan. Now let's stop and analyze that. Who, was, who gave him the thorn in the flesh? Somebody said, I know it was the Lord. It was God. No, it was the devil. The devil's the one that gave him this messenger from Satan. It wasn't God. Because he went to God. And he said, oh, Lord, help. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. Help, Lord. Help, Lord. Lord, I don't know if I can help. Oh, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Lord, you said come boldly to the throne of grace that I may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Help, Lord. It's okay to holler help every now and then. Help, Lord. It shows your dependency upon him so his power can flow through you. You know what I mean? And that's what I discovered. When I'm weak, then I found myself being strong because that's what he told Paul. He said, Paul, my grace, my ability, my anointing is sufficient for you. He says, in your weaknesses, he said, I will be made strong. Paul started glorifying his infirmities. <laughs> he said, the power of Christ rests upon me. I'm here to tell you, if you're in Christ, his power and his glory will rest upon you and you will not fail. But if you've been encountering oppositions, and I know people have, especially in the ministry, but encountering opposition, and these things, and it's happening all over. I talked to my friend, Pastor Jay, up there from Canada when he came to my meeting, and we converse and talk. Great opposition, but he just it was encouraged. When he left the meeting there in Owego, New York, he was dancing. <laughs> he was dancing and shouting, hallelujah. Well, I'm here to tell you, the Lord is building his church. He's on our side. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So how is he building the church? What does, he, what does he want to put in the church? What's he want to put in the church is this. First of all, he wants to establish the gifts, the ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. He wants to establish those gifts 
in his church. When I'm not, I'm not talking about in a half measure or just a few of them. I'm talking about everyone, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And also, he wants to establish a ministry of helps, which is a ministry gifts. It's an anointed office. I have stood in that office, and I have been in the ministry of helps, and I was anointed to function in that office. It is not a low-level ministry. It's one of the highest honors you could ever have, and it's where everybody gets started with God, and God proves you and moves you on from that place. So we need that. So he wants to establish back, and that's what we need to pray for. We need to pray for the five-fold ministry gifts. Then we need to pray for the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The nine ministry gifts there. We need to pray for these gifts to be in operation, manifestation, and demonstration. Because the gifts are not in operation as the Lord desires. There are sprinkling of them here. We hear sprinkling of them there. But the Lord wants to bring them to constant manifestation so that we can take these gifts and go reach this lost and dying world. We're keeping it on that level, remember? To reach the lost. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And then the third thing that the Lord is doing today and building his church is he is restoring the true doctrines back to the church because there are some doctrinal issues. I mean, I hate to have to say it, but it's the truth. There are some doctrinal issues that are going on in the church that is not correct and it's leading people astray and God is going to have to bring balance to this. So we need to pray that the ministers of the gospel would come forth and preach and teach the truth. Dad Hagen taught us this. How in the world do you deal with false doctrine? You preach the truth. You don't attack people. You know what I mean? I don't attack anybody. I don't come against any person. But you preach the truth in love and you speak the truth in love. But we must have voices that will come to the forefront that will not cow down, so to speak, and cower down and not tell the truth and not speak the truth in love because the pressure of the culture of society, even in the church, is against that. Don't tell the truth. You might offend somebody. Again, we're not for offending anybody, right? Right. We're for helping anybody we can. But we must have uh, the word of the living God uh, that's going to put us over in every single area of our life and true biblical doctrines uh, there. The fourth thing that God is establishing in the church, the fourth thing that God is establishing, and this is probably should be number one. You know what I mean? But this is what the Lord is doing. The Lord is establishing his people back to his character. The character of God is more important in my life than any gift, sign, miracle, or wonder. Because with the character of God in my life and the fruit of the Spirit manifested through my life, it closes the door to every enemy, every devil, and the devil has no inroad into my life. I'm not saying that he wouldn't try to come, but he can't get in. Why? The character of God is more important than anything else. Since about 1959, the Lord has been endeavoring to, to restore character back in the church. I'm not saying that people don't have character. You understand but remember this, Dr. Hagen would tell us the stories about what he called the voice of healing days. And if you go back and you look, it was the era of the miraculous, and we're still in it, by the way, the era of the miraculous. But most of the ministers there at that time 
died, and I know this is not a popular subject, but they died prematurely. And it wasn't because they didn't have the power. It wasn't because they didn't have the anointing. It's because they didn't have character. And many did not judge themselves. And everybody's getting quiet now. You know what I mean? <laughs> you were shouting a little bit earlier. And, and, and of course, it wasn't God that done anything to them. You understand that? And I'm not saying that anybody went to hell. Don't take that. Don't take that. What I'm saying, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is many of their ministries stopped prematurely. And it could have been a further move. And probably Mike could still have been in part of it today. Or at least a, a greater flow. And so what he's been endeavoring to do, the Lord, is to get the character of God in our life. In fact, you know, the character of God has is, been a, a quest of mine for many years. You know, my career path in times past, you know what I mean? My prior career, prior to, you know, B.C., before Christ, it wasn't too good. And so I've had a lot of things to overcome, but God has graced me to be able to do that. And I appreciate that very much. And I thank God for it. And it's only by His grace and by His mercy that I accomplish this. And I know that we're not saved by works. But until you get your works lined up with your confession, things are not going to work right. It's got to kind of walk in line together, you know. And we thank God for His mercy. We thank God for His grace. But how in the world could I develop God's character in my life? Well, I just think this just from my own personal experience. Just taking Colossians chapter 3 and reading that and making that and just walking that out in my life, boy, that'd be sure enough good. And then you get over into Ephesians chapter 4, the latter part of 4 and Ephesians chapter 5, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and start meditating on these scriptures and read them out till it tells you what to, you know, in Colossians and Ephesians and all, it tells you what to put off, but it also tells you what to put on. There's no condemnation. And, and that has been lost. That particular part of the message of the gospel has been lost today because I say lost, not as a whole in the entire body of Christ, but in a lot of areas, you know, it's unpopular to preach to people and tell them this is what the Word of God says that you must do, not just what you believe. Yes, we are to believe something so we can do something. You know what I mean? We believe we receive, we believe we are, therefore I do, yes. right? Because Paul taught that, and, and the Word of God teaches that. Then the Ephesians prayers, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3, if you just make those Ephesians prayers, just constantly renew yourself in that area. And I find myself, in fact, in recent times, the Lord stirred me up about it, you know. You know how we'll get going, you know, and we get to rolling along pretty good, and all of a sudden we find ourselves, well, I'm not doing what I know I should do. But the Lord kind of reminded me in recent times, he said, get back to praying those Ephesians prayers. And there's other prayers in the New Testament and putting yourself in it, not just selfish, pray them for other people too, you know. And so that brings me to this point in the church. The, what, is, what point are we on now? Five. Where'd y'all get all these points at? <laughs> six. Reverend Caminetti said she's got six. Y'all missed something. Boy, she's got something in the Holy Ghost here. <laughs> She picked it up by the Spirit. So the, the, the sixth thing, and this again should be the top, and this is not in numerical, chronological order. I'm not saying that. But the sixth thing is this, and it should be probably, I said the other should be number one, this probably should be number one. He's restoring 
the art of prayer back to the church. You know, it was in our meeting, I think it was, uh, I think it was in Branson. I know Pastor Harris was there when we was doing a meeting there, a word and spirit. And the Lord said something to me that I had never really saw, it became a revelation. He said, the body of Christ, this has been what, a couple of years ago maybe? The Lord said the body of Christ has been living today primarily off prayers of saints in the past. Now, I'm not saying saints are not praying today. We've got a lot of good praying people, you know. we got Reverend Patsy Caminade, Reverend Jermaine Copeland here. I mean, they're going to slap us around and tell us we're going to do it, and we are. And they'll pray for us and pray with us. But we can't, in this generation, continue to live off the past prayers of the saints. We've got to have our own prayers and our own prayer life. And that's why we're having Atlanta Prayer Conference to stir ourselves up to pray. Prayer is the key and the vehicle to everything that God has. We pray it out and we walk it out. We pray it out and we walk it out. So the Lord is building His church and He's reestablishing prayer back to the church, back to the ministry offices, back to the saints and the chairs or the pews. We used to call them pews, you know, or the benches. But God is restoring that back to the church. And all of these things, I believe the Lord has had me over time, and even in our meetings, we pray about these things, you know, publicly. We get the audience to join in. We don't take a real long time, but because, you know, we just kind of go encourage people, though, to get in that flow Pray about these things. Think about these things. Why? Because I believe, and I certainly don't know it all, and I'm not saying this is all the Lord's doing, but I know that He's doing this today, and we must have these things restored, what? Back to the church. And I'm not saying in a measure they're not there. But in the greater measure, they're not there. I mean, you just don't have to be very spiritual to look around and say things are not going in the direction they should be going. And But through prayer, things are going to turn around and things are going to change and we are going on in God in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not going to fail. So I have talked about this morning, the Lord is building his church. And again, I'm just talking, you know, talking about the Lord building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's been opposition that has come, but the opposition will not win and will overcome everything. The grace of the Lord is sufficient and the church will arise and walk in the victory that God has for us and nothing is going to stop the church. And I believe this, if we'll just stop right here, because I mean, we got time, you know, we got the clock back here and we got to go by the clock, right? Sometimes, but anyway... And so what I would like for us to do is just take a few minutes and pray about some of these things. Let's take about five, six, seven, eight, ten minutes. You know, there's enough of us here putting all our faith and prayer together. And then we'll go on and then I believe there's going to be a little break and then we're going to start again. And then uh, my Miss Dynamite Package's uh, friend, is, she's going to blow us away with the Word of God because she'll teach us how to preach and teach the Word of God. Let's stand to our feet and, and let's begin to pray. Father... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the revelation truths that you've allowed us to see and understand today. And Lord, we thank you for a restoration of your church. We thank you that you're building your church. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're influencing your church. And we thank you that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. In the name of Jesus. 
And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those five-fold ministry gifts. I pray for the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and those called to the ministry of helps. Add it on, Father. I pray in Jesus' name that there will come a full restoration of all these gifts in the body of Christ because it's required for the perfecting of the saints. Father, I thank you, Lord, that all these gifts will come into place and take their place with the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost in this day and in this hour. Lord, you showed me one time while we were praying about this. Lord, that the gifts of the Spirit would never be in their fullness found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 until the ministry offices came into their fullness because each one of these offices, Father, is what equips them to stand in that office as certain ministry gifts found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so, Lord, I thank you that all these gifts will be restored and that you're building your church even today. And Father, I pray for every ministry and I pray for every minister right now, Lord, throughout the body of Christ. And Lord, I know and I realize, Father, there has been great opposition, Lord, against many pastors, Lord, against many apostles, Lord, against many prophets, against many evangelists and teachers. I know there's been opposition. And Father, I pray for them and I lift them up to you. And Father, I thank you for the anointing of God to come upon them and that the same grace that was sufficient for Paul is the same grace that's sufficient for them. And I thank you, Lord, that their strength, your strength is made perfect in their weakness. And Lord, I declare those that have been weak have now become strong in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray a supernatural strength in your church a supernatural equipping to come upon your church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for a full restoration of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, the gift of special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, gifts of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Father, thank you for all these, Lord, to take place. Lord, thank you for all the ministry gifts, all the gifts of the Spirit to take place and operate in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that the Word of God will go forward with supernatural power, signs and wonders. Lord, you said in your Word how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing good and healing all that was oppressed of the devil. Father, I thank you that the church, Lord, will arise and go about doing good and healing all that's oppressed of the devil. Father, I thank you that the captive will be set free, that people will be born again by the literal thousands and millions, Father, set free by the power and the anointing of God. Father, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. I glorify you for it. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you that many will be delivered from demonic powers and come to their right mind like the prodigal son did in the hog pen of life. Father, he had went away from Father's house. And Father, there are those that are wondering in the hog pen today. Father, I've been in that hog pen. Lord, I know what it's like. And Father, I thank you that your grace and your mercy will come down in the hog pen of life that your love will open their eyes Lord and their mind will be open to you and that your anointing will come upon them Lord and they'll make the decision to come back to Father's house in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I thank you for that glory I thank you for that anointing Lord I thank you for that power 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and Father, I thank you for the outpouring of the glory of God among your people. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for that anointing. Lord, to come upon the church in this day and in this hour. Lord, that we'll walk in this Holy Ghost power in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit uh, that is moving supernaturally among us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, I thank you that the glory of God is moving supernaturally. Uh, Lord, I know that you're with us. And Father, it's almost like Elijah. Lord, when he was praying, and he was praying, Lord, and he said it would not rain on the earth for three and a half years. But Lord, he knelt down one day and he began to pray. And then he told his servant that I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Father, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Father, I hear that sound. Lord, it's off in the distance. Lord, and it seems like it's been long in coming. Lord, it's been long in coming. But Father, I thank you that suddenly, Lord, that there was a cloud the size of a man's hand and the Holy Ghost came upon him and he outrun the king's chariot as the power and the anointing fell. And so we thank you for the latter reign of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the latter reign of your power, the latter reign of your glory. Lord, what latter reign are we talking about? We're talking about that latter reign. Lord, with multiplication. Lord, that they were there on the day of Pentecost and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and Lord, they spilled out of that upper room and began to preach the gospel and see the lost be saved under the great power and the anointing of God. And Father, I thank you for that same glory, Lord, that you visited in the early church with. I thank you for a multiplication of that power, a multiplication of that glory today. Lord, we cannot do this in ourselves. Lord, we cannot do this without you. Lord, we've come to the end of man's plans. Lord, we've come to the end of our ideas. Lord, we've come to the end of our programs. And Lord, our eyes are upon you. Lord, we need you in this day. Lord, I need you in this day. Lord, we need you in this day. Lord, we invite you to come in. Lord, and pour out your glory. Lord, we admit that we can't do it without you. Lord, we become too smart in ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, of coming up with our own plans. Forgive us for coming up with our own agendas and not looking to the heavenly pattern and the heavenly plan and the heavenly design. But Lord, I turn to you and my eyes are upon you. And Lord, I thank you for this outpouring of the glory of God, this outpouring of your anointing that will take place in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I praise you for it. I glorify you for it. I magnify you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's raise our hands and thank him that he heard us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. Not only have you heard our prayers, but our prayers have set in motion because we're in agreement with your will. We're in agreement with your word. And you said that you would give unto us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, but whatever we loose on this earth shall be loosed from heaven. And Father, we thank you that our prayers have been heard, our prayers have been answered, and that you shall glorify yourself in this earth. And Lord, that your will and your plan shall come to pass. And not one jot nor one tittle shall fail till all shall be accomplished. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Hallelujah. You know, you can be anointed to pray. <laughs> Just like you at Hustle. Remasto mangitile kofasa bakutilekia, remasto gimanta andikisto matikia. For if you'll yield to my anointing in this day, you'll find that it'll bring you up to a place that you can pray. Pray on a level that you never have before, for I, the Lord, have opened this door. Remember, my word says in the book of Revelations, I open doors that no man can shut, shut doors that no man can open. No man has opened this door, but because of the presence of the saints and the prayers of the saints, I have opened this door. So come right in and you'll experience more, saith the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. We're going to experience more, more, more. I'm going to have more. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to fulfill and you're going to fulfill your destiny and nothing is going to stop us. The church is going to fulfill its destiny and nothing is going to stop us. Be encouraged. Hallelujah. I believe it too.